why you're saved, but <clears throat> we're going to talk a little bit more uh, about it from, I think, from the perspective of what God has in mind when he saves us uh, versus what we have in mind <laughs> when we receive salvation. Uh, it's just like marriage. You know, when you get married, you have one thing in mind and husband has something else in mind and you hope you can meet the minds will meet one day. Amen. They meet sometimes in some things and sometimes they don't meet. But I think God has given us the ability to allow him to meet with us. He said, come, let us reason together. And he can he lets us know what the real problem is. You know, when when Jesus came into the earth, everybody was looking for Messiah for different things. You know, it was kind of like Messiah in your pocket, you know, where when you want to pull him out for whatever you think that that you need God for that's what people were accustomed to doing and uh, it's it's in in it's a common human error to make to believe that God is under our control but many times that's how we go about life in a way that that negates the sovereignty of God negates the almightiness of God negates the plan and the vision of God for each individual that he put here on the earth when we start to analyze what we ask for and what we look forward to on a daily basis, it kind of leaves that out. Tell the truth, y'all. Shame the devil. Amen. He's a liar anyway. Sometimes we get all overwrought about waiting for God to do something that we asked him to do. And if we don't get it, we just all out of sorts. And, huh? We've been out of shape and ticked off at God, but but we cloak it in a religious religious uh, question: Is what did I do wrong? What am I not doing right? That you don't give me what I want because I can strangle you right now, huh? So we we're we're locked into a selfish mindset sometimes, even about the things of God. If he could get the freedom to do what he'd like to do with us, we'd be so far different from where we are. <laughs> it would just blow our minds. You understand what I'm saying? Um, and, and so we have to cancel out. You know, God loves you if you don't get the biggie. God loves you if you get the biggie. God loves you with the biggie and God loves you without the biggie. you got to know God loves you. You understand what I'm saying? If you don't get that, you've missed the whole thing. Now, we got to get that. We gotta, and we got to understand what love is. You know, if, if, if I could have made my husband do many of the things I thought I wanted him to do to prove he loved me, I'd be broke, bankrupt, stupid. You understand what I'm saying? I'm thankful that he knew he loved me and did what he thought was good for me. See, we don't like having we don't like having people have that kind of position in our lives to do what they feel demonstrates love. We like to have people in our pockets pull them out and say love me when the way I want you to love me or don't love me at all and if you don't do that I don't need you see love is allowing people to have the freedom to express their love to you the best way they know how 
that ought to stop somebody at the altar. I mean, it would make you back up and really pray about things when you understand that, you know, your idea of what love is may be totally foreign to the person that you're committed to. But if you really love them, you believe that their expressions of love are sufficient. Well, anyway, we can trust God like that, too, you know. We can trust that his expressions of love to us are valid, whether they fall in line with our idea of what love is or not. Because he's God. He doesn't make any mistakes. And he has a whole totally different idea for our salvation, probably, than we do. Amen. And second, and first Peter, I'm in the wrong, I'm over in the wrong book. Second Peter 1, 2 Peter 1. They made fun of Donald Trump when he read a scripture. He said 2 Corinthians. Now, now check this out, check this out. All the fornicating, lying, backbiting, atheists, press people jumped on him because some Christian somewhere told him, you don't say it like that. We say second Corinthians. Well, as long as you read the word, what do you care what you call it? <laughs> they got the man bold enough to go in the word and all these so-called Christian uh, Christian politicians we have won't even scared to read the Bible in, in front of people. <laughs> people need to get real. You know, the, the God is stripping the, the uh, facade off the devil's people left and right. I mean, we know what we're dealing with now. You understand what I'm saying? The, the blinders are pulled off. The gloves are off. So, you know, you know what you're dealing with. Huh? So anyway, in Second Peter, 2 Peter, 2 Peter, <laughs> when the Bible was written, there was no one or two or first or second. So it was a word. Some people can speak it and live it and don't know where it's found and what it's called. That's what that's what's important. Do you live it? Do you honor it in your life? <laughs> so in Second Peter one in in, uh, in uh, verse four, uh, start in verse three says, according as his divine power has given to us all things that pertain to life and godliness. Through the knowledge of him that has called us to glory, whereby are given unto us exceeding. That's why your your mind can't comprehend things. That's why we lose sight of the promise. That's why we walk away in unbelief when we're not happy with our lives. Because they're so exceeding. They're great and exceeding promises. They exceed our ability to believe we deserve them. And that's our main problem sometimes. But they exceed everything. Expectations, believability desire and in understanding what we need it exceeds all of that and he says that by these you might be partakers of the divine nature so by the promises of god you are first a partaker of his divine nature that's the goal of god promising you to biggie when god promises you that he's going to find you a spouse, a godly spouse, when he promises you that he's going to give you godly children, when he promises you that he's going to reconcile a marriage that ended in divorce prematurely, when he promises you these things, that is the, the, 
the hook and the bait to get you to desire to get close enough to know the one the first thing you think to yourself when god tells you he's going to do something fantastic you say how could he do that how could you know it blows your mind it's exceeding great and precious to you the biggie is precious to all of us the one thing that we think all our salvation hangs on and don't say you don't think like that because god knows you do and i know you do because i do it too Oh, if I don't get this, God, what am I going to tell the saints? We think like that. Are you kidding me? That's the first thing that, and when the Bible says, those who hope in me will not be ashamed. Huh? That doesn't mean that you won't, you going to guarantee to get it. Uh, see, check yourself or you wreck yourself. Huh? He says you won't be ashamed. Because you might miss it and I might miss it. And we might think we've been hanging on to God and we wasn't hanging on to nothing. But you won't be ashamed if you hanging on to him. <laughs> it's like God said, hey, she with me. Ain't no shame in our game. Are you kidding me? She's still the best thing I ever saved on this earth. I still love her. I ain't putting her down for nothing. Huh? Are you kidding me? You think your relationship with God depends on him giving you just one thing out of your life? And if you don't get it, we call it quits. You don't do that for your mean boyfriend. You need to kick him to the curb. You ain't so quick to kick him to the curb, and he ain't doing one-tenth of what God does for him. A lot of times as they do something, they got wind in their jaws and grudging and mad and angry and upset. Tell the truth, y'all. Come on, we dealing with human flesh and blood. Are you kidding me? <laughs> People probably listen to me talk about marriage. They say, what's wrong with her? <laughs> She's got issues. <laughs> now I'm telling you the truth. You know, get your head out of the clouds. Come on now. I shall go to my notes. I shall retreat to my notes. See, I do the notes when I'm feeling very calm and peaceful and sane. When I get around people, I'm insane. Y'all make me crazy. I don't mean to be crazy, but y'all make me crazy. I figure if I have to bring Scarlett O'Hara out today, I'll do it. Do you understand what I'm saying? Just so I can. Since God is my witness, I'll make me crazy. Anyway. All right. So, oftentimes we begin with God with zeal and enthusiasm in the Lord. There's often a need or a problem that brings us to God. So it's kind of common. A broken heart, broken body, a broken soul can bring us to a place of decision to give our lives to God. Now, God is a fair God. He's already given the life of his son for us, so he expects us to give back in kind. To give anything less is cheating. You can have my problems, God, but you can't have my future. I got to be in control of that. I got to tell you what I want out of life, and I don't want anything beside that. And to prove it, 
I can confess the word and I got faith in it because I got it right down here in your Bible that you're going to do this for me. And if you better do this first, or I ain't going to do nothing. huh? No, I'm not going to bag bread because I don't want to do nothing until you do this for me. And I'm not going to take nobody to church because I don't want to do nothing until you do this for me. huh? And I'm not going to get to church on time. Because it ain't but a handful of people there, and I'm going to do this. And until you get some more people in there, I'm not going to do that, God. So you do something for me first, and then I'll let you be God. And then when we say he God all by himself, you first one raising your hand and shouting. No, because he's not all by himself first in your life. You understand what I'm saying? We're all got conditional little things in our pocket somewhere that is conditional on how we feel about God today. If he don't do it for us, we just going to quit. We don't know what we're going to do. Uh-huh. Don't let your life hang in limbo like that. We need to come out of that nonsense shell. Because he's given us promises so we don't be like that no more. Uh-huh. He's given us promises so that we can take, partake of his nature, his character. Be like him, his attributes. Learn how to live like God wants us to live. Learn how to let him transform us into what we're supposed to be. He is not just going to be God to give you what you think y'all your salvation is about. He's going to be God so that you can partake of his divine nature. And know what that means and understand what kind of life that can bring to you. He can't just be God of the biggie. He's got to be God of the every day. Every minute of every day, he's got to be God, and he's got to be real to you. He can't just be uh, <laughs> popping up <laughs> out of a, a machine. They used to, in, in uh, Greek, uh, Greek uh, uh, um, comedy theater, in Greek theater, they, you know, they had the big uh, plays in the Colosseums and stuff. And they had a type of play that they always would end up the same way. And the, the phrase for it was a Latin phrase. It was called deus ex machina. That means God from a machine. And they would have this play going on and there would be a problem that was presented. And then they all of a sudden they would bring a, 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 an answer. It sitting in the middle of the Colosseum. It was brought in on a crane. And it would come in at the end of the play and solve the whole problem and everybody lived happily ever after. So they brought God out of a machine. Well, God don't want to be out of a machine to us. He's not a doctrine to us. He's not a theology. He wants to be your God every day to be real, to have personhood, to have feelings, to have thoughts, to have a vision, to have all of that. He is not here to pop up out of the machine at the end of the play to solve your problems so you can like him as God. He wants to be God. See, the Greeks had an excuse. They didn't know him. We know him already. So there's no excuse for us making him want to pop up out of a machine at the end of the day and solve all of our problems for us. He's a God who can talk to you, walks with you. He's the God who took Enoch. Enoch walked with God. Why? Because he loved God and he clung to God. We can do the same thing. The Bible says God took him. That turns most of us off because we still want him to pop up out of a machine at the end of the day and solve all of our problems or we don't want him as God no more. And so God wants to be God to us, God with us. 
for real so that we know him and we understand him. So God lets us know salvation is the answer to whatever it is the problem that brought you to the Lord. Mine was a nervous breakdown, amen, and a bad marriage, almost a non-existent marriage. We need God and we know we must make a commitment to him to get assurance that the problem will be solved. So we go into this a little bit fishy to begin with, but because we don't know God and we're young in God, he accepts us. He'll accept any sincere response to his word and, and to his, his invitation for salvation because he loves us so much. He figures he can help us understand him after we get into relationship with him. And that's really what it's all about is getting to understand God. But first we have to get in covenant with God. Many of us get into covenant based on whether or not God will do a certain thing for us. And at some point in your walk with God, that's got to be fixed. You understand me? We need to find out who that is out there. <laughs> Praise God. <laughs> Praise God. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> Praise God. So, so we need to understand, though, that God wants us to know and wants us to understand him and wants us to love him. And he doesn't care if we enter into this relationship a little bit fraudulently. Write that down. And you all know what I mean. It, it happens on that day when God tells you to do something you see in the word and your, your, your man goes, I can't do that. What? You mean, oh, God understands. You understand what I'm saying? When we do the God understands because we don't want to do something, that's when the fraud is revealed. And we all got some of it. Because you can't know everything that God requires at the initial when you're first born again. You begin to walk with him and understand these things and accept them. That's what covenant people do. They understand and they accept as they get understanding. And so God wants us to know that he understands that we don't know everything. But he expects that when we get understanding and we, we get knowledge of him and when we understand who he is, then we will accept his terms of the covenant. When he says, I expect you to love me with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and love your neighbor as yourself, and I will bless you, I will do all of these things. He expects that that's news to you, and you'll have to re you're going to recoil at some of the things that God requires. Amen. First thing he tests, the first thing that gets all of us is the love thing. Amen. You know, we walk around with hurt feelings and don't want to go to church. You know, people are full of stories about why they don't go to church no more. Well, I went to that place and they did so and so. Well, you know, you them people ain't on trial. Amen. Judge Judy, who you think you are? Huh? We go in in our black robe and our mean look on our face and our gavel in our hand and we're ready to pound the gavel down on a whole congregation of people, a whole body of believers, simply because we was in a bad mood when we showed up. So there the fraud is exposed. See? 
we'll serve God if people do what we think they're supposed to. See, if we can get over what we think is supposed to happen versus trusting God to unfold the life that he has prepared for us, that requires trust, folks. I don't know how you can, you can live this life without totally trusting God. I mean, withholding nothing. And I mean nothing. We keep in an attitude because we don't get certain things that we think God told us we supposed to have. When really, we know that a fiery hell is what we supposed to have if it wasn't for the blood of Jesus and our faith in it and our desire to serve God now that he's done so much for us as a package deal. Any, any covenant that's entered into the, the fraudulently, this is, this is the whole, whole uh, uh, everything in a covenant relationship is pivots on this whole thing about what's in your heart when you engage in this relationship. Uh, they're, they're, uh, you remember Dr. Livingston, I presume, Livingston and Stanley, the, the explorers. Well, <clears throat> Dr. Livingston hadn't been heard of in a, long, a lot of years. He went into the Congo and in the darkest parts of Africa, dark because no people had ever been there before. They assume this man is dead and he's living a good life. Huh? He's wealthy. He's well taken care of. He's well thought of. Dr. Uh, 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 Stanley goes there. He's a reporter for some British newspaper. And he gets there. And the only way he can get from one place to the other is by cutting covenant with different tribal people that he meets there. And when he gets there, he realizes this is why Stanley's still, while Livingston's still alive. Because he's done the same thing. He's cut covenant with all the important tribal chiefs there. So when he gets there, he sees Livingston with a, a, a wire-looking rod in his hand. That when everybody sees it, they bow the knee and back up. And so he has great power because the man that gave it to him is the most potent chief of all the tribes that are recognized there. So by entering into covenant, he's able to live. But the essence of the covenant, what they swear to one another, is that if we are speaking these words deceitfully, let us be cursed and let us be killed by every enemy. Let us not be able to stand. And so deceit and intent and sincerity is the one thing that is judged in a covenant. If you swear to, to uphold somebody's life all the days of their life, you have to do it in truth and sincerity. You can't be doing this deceitfully and, and still be existing. The forces of the earth would, would annihilate you in that time. Dr. Stanley would have been killed by half the people he stood before if he were deceitful in anything that he promised any, to any of those tribal men that he made covenant with. But yet... We do it all the time, and God forgives. See, his exceeding great precious love for us goes beyond the fact that when we, you know, some of, some of us got saved because our friends ran up to the altar. Remember them times? Some of us got saved because we thought we were going to die, and God healed us. Remember that? There's people that are walking around totally healed now and never, never looked back and tried to thank God or even got involved in a church just because they 
think they're fooling somebody. And God knows it. He knows we're immature and we don't understand commitment. That's why he saves us, to teach us these things. So that as we grow and we walk with God, we understand what it means to have integrity. We understand what it means to not speak beyond where your heart knows it's going to do what what, it, what your lips say you're going to do. You understand what I'm saying? We know how to not try to trick people into getting what we want out of them by a promise that's flimsy and that's not backed up by anything. That's why God says if your faith is more of an action than it is your words. He wants to see something. He wants to see what we do to show him our faith if we're going to enter into him, a faith covenant with him. So God wants us to know that he has given us these promises. He has a plan for our lives that it includes and does not leave out the desires of your heart. But he wants your heart to understand his heart so that when you two reason together, you can come up with the answer that he has planned for you and not something that just fell in your ears when you heard some saints talking about something see we we, you you can't you can't overlook the religious factor because it's just worldwide you know a lot of people you know you 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 want to be married because you think it's normal for christians to be married do any of us look normal to you don't answer that I mean, what's normal? We're just all in transit. You know, we're all on the way there. We haven't gotten there yet. So you're passing all these people on their way somewhere, and you want to be, I want to be like her. I want to be like that. I want to be like that. You, you better get in your Bible and find out what you really You don't want to be like me because you don't know where I'm going, if I'll get there, and how I'm getting there. Huh? I might be hitchhiking the last five miles. You know, you don't want to do that. You want to be what God's called you to be. You find out what he's got for you. Yeah. You know, it's, you can't be everybody that you see. You know, we get emotional with these things. We look at somebody and we think they got it going on because they get our attention. All these people want to be like the Duggars, this perfect Christian family. You understand what? But they got problems just like you do. You understand what I'm saying? And God lets us see that. He's not going to let anybody get the attention from him. So he's going to expose certain things to us. He's going to show us certain things. So we get our focus right back on him. Amen. You know, I love the Duggars. I love their Christian witness. I love what they've done to exemplify a good family in the Lord, but I know also that they can have problems just like anybody else can have. All they got is a little problem's been exposed. Same thing that we have all the time. So if anybody was looking to them as an example of perfection above God, I got news for you. God's already exposed that nobody's perfect but him. Keep your eyes on him. That's all he's trying to tell us. Along our way in our Christian walk, we have many requests that we make of God. At some point, we may ask even for something big from God. But what, is, what we think big is, is not the same thing as where God considers everything doable. 
So God's not looking at what you need as the greatest thing in your life. He just looks at it as one of many things that he intends to bring to you. You understand what I'm saying? See, if we can get his mind to get his focus, these things will bring become more into the realm of possibility than impossibility. And you get up one day and the devil says, well, what happened to so-and-so? How come you ain't got that yet? And I, Listen, devil, it ain't your business. I didn't pray to you for this. We ain't even having this conversation. You can't bring this up to me. I didn't ask you for it. How are you going to tell me I can't have it and I didn't pray to you for it? God says all the promises are yes and amen. You know, which we skip over that a little bit because it's so shocking. You mean you don't say no after all? I just went through a a section in the inspirational and Christian book category in the bookstore that's got ten books that says when God says no. And I bet you bought two of them with your crazy self. And you got a Bible that says, he says yes and amen to all the promises. Well, I thought, no, 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 see, now God spoke to me and told me to buy. You keep arguing if you want to, you ain't going to have nothing. God promises to guide our path, which means you might have to be corrected sometimes. For all of us who don't want correction and think we don't need it. Huh? He corrects me all the time. Huh? Sometimes, you know, you get up and your walk is on a tightrope. There are some things that may seem difficult and impossible. And we may exhaust ourselves waiting, believing, and hoping. Remember them days? Just waiting on the promises. I remember when I took might all, not take uh, what? <laughs> pampering or what what is that stuff i killed to take a mite all again but what's the what's that stuff because i don't take it premarin yeah you take the premarin for the hot flashes but i'm still hoping and waiting and believing in god you better learn how to live (laughs) and put all that stuff now (laughs) into hoping and believing We do it, it gets hard for us because we focus on what's lacking instead of what's there. Your promise isn't even lacking if you got faith for it. It's there. It's on the inside of you. You need to just visit it and enjoy it. Huh? Oh, now I got your attention. Huh? How do you visit something that you don't have yet? Huh? You visit it in the Word. Lord, I thank you for that. I thank you for my this. I thank you for my that. I thank you for my... You visit your stuff whenever you want to. It's it's in the realm of glory where God is. Ask God if he can let you see your husband or see your convertible or see your whatever it is we want. You know, we always want something. He'll let you see it. <laughs> he don't care. He'll let you visit your little stuff. But you ain't going to get it until your faith comes up to where he wants it to be. 
visit it all you want to. Huh? It's good to visit things in God. Makes it more real to you. It encourages your faith. It's not a tease where you won't get it or you yanks it away. Visit it all the time. Your faith is your evidence. Huh? <laughs> it's there. It's in there. But you got to release it. Yeah, we think we waiting on God. Oh, really? Oh, contraire. <laughs> you ain't waiting on God for nothing. Huh? He waiting on you to quit being nervous. Quit dancing around the topic. Quit lying about everything. Quit listening to that voice that tells you, yeah, you pray for that, but you don't really want that. Huh? You can't get that. That little uh, judge back there in your Judge Judy. Huh? You ever you ever think about something and, and you, you start feeling really excited about it and some curtain comes down and says, and extinguishes the thought? Doubt. Huh? You can doubt in your mind if you don't doubt in your heart that yeah, God's going to. Yeah. Doubt, you're going to have to fight that all the time. You fight that rascal with the word. You fight him with his, it doesn't depend on me being all of that. Jesus was all that in my place. And I just lean on him. I just fall into his presence, fall into his mind. I fall into his understanding of who God the Father is. And now we mention in the devil, that stuff you'd have made that important to me. It wasn't nearly as that is important to me until you got a hold of it with your pulling over and saying I wasn't going to get it. And Lord, I repent for letting the devil strive with me over something you promised me. And he ain't going to give it to me anyway. He ain't going to do nothing but mess it up. The minute it gets in your possession, the devil sits right there ready to mess it up for you. You know, people get married and the first thing they want to do is get, we need counseling. Where was you before all you made all these big to-dos about everything? Counseling after the fact. Huh? I don't counsel you nothing. I, ain't, I don't have to live with y'all. You better go home and read your Bible. I'm serious. You don't owe people to counsel them once they made a decision. Huh? Work it out the best way you can, like I did with mine. My, my parents did with theirs. Oh, you don't do count. No, I do not. I pray with you. You come and sit under the word and work it out the best way you can. And all the married people say, that's how we go. Huh? Wasting my time. The only thing people want to do is to fill somebody's mind up with how bad the other person is. Huh? Now you just come in here and you sit, come faithfully twice a week, sit under the word every time and let God work and help you. Don't tell me he won't help you if you come and sit. Huh? That's why people don't come. You understand what I'm saying? Because they don't want to admit the truth. And when you're committed to somebody, you're going to have to find love. Because it ain't going to come and knock on your door and say, can't hurry, love. No, you t-. Yes. Huh? For sure. You got to work this thing out. Am I talking to the right people? Are y'all awake back here? What is. I don't care if you ain't but 11. You got a brain. You better speak up. And all the 11 year olds said, 
See, they don't even want to talk to me. <laughs> if you can't get an amen from the peanut gallery, just right, right. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> Thank you, Pastor Shirley. Appreciate it. All right. Immaturity is focusing on what you need and what you're still waiting for. God's goal is to mature us. Why do you want to be mature in God? Why is that important to God? Because he wants to receive us into heaven at the end of our lives. Amen? And really what we do down here is not the end of the journey. It's really more of a proving ground in a a time of understanding God, the God that we're going to live with for eternity. That's why sinners don't get into heaven. They don't know him. See, if you didn't want to know him down here on earth and and you fought him all the day, you ain't going to like him no better up there. Seriously? Huh? That would be more than a miracle. So God lets you decide down here if you want to trust him with your life. Because we, he's planning things for us that will go on forever and ever and ever. And he wants to change us so that we fit better in with his plan. It's the whole thing. It's to conform to the image of Christ so that you can now be pleased with your life and you can now receive the promises without thinking that if you do something wrong, God don't like you no more. He's not going to give you anything. And he's withholding some from me because I did so and so. He wants us to get beyond that and understand how to live for him no matter what. Like Job said, though he slay me, yet will I trust him. Huh? You notice that after he said that, them little detractors of his had less and less to say. They said, oh, this dude don't care nothing about nothing but God. We had the wrong guy all the time. Yeah, you did. Don't get exhausted believing and waiting. Quit waiting and start living. I'm telling you, focusing on one thing can be, become your purpose for living for God. It'll exhaust you. It'll wear you out and make you crazy. Don't let, and you know what? You can tell when it's, it's, it's kind of working itself into a problem for you. Because you'll have people coming up to you out of the woodwork saying, uh, Is your husband back home yet? Did, you get, did, did God get, put you in that business yet? Are you making any money off of that yet? See, when you start hearing feedback like that from the realm of the spirit, you know it's time for you to go to God and say, God, you know what, let me let this thing go. Because not only has it been bugging me, now the devil knows it bugs me. And he's seeing that his little messengers keep picking. <laughs> that's, that's your cue to go uh, to your refuge. Huh? <laughs> God actually saved us to give us the life that we were denied by sin. Sin and iniquity has denied man the life that God wants him to have. Due to sin and separation from God, 
we have been denied access to the life God purposed for us and still has for us. God's not a quitter. He's not afraid of anything and anybody created everything. Even the bad forces of darkness are created for God's glory. Got me? It's a purpose for everything. The Bible says he created the waster to destroy. And he said when when trouble gathers up against you, it won't be by him. He doesn't bring us trouble. Amen? He doesn't do it. He rescues us. Some things he'll make you fight your way out of. I remember my parents. You come running up there talking about somebody. You didn't do that to my mama. Because if she felt like she had to get up and go do something, it was worse for you telling her than to go face Goliath yourself. You understand what I'm saying? So you just wouldn't stick your head in the tiger's mouth. Mama said, what you coming up here talking to me for? You boy, go back downstairs. Hmm? We fought our way. We were girls, four girls. <laughs> Half the neighborhood scared of us. Huh? You understand what I'm saying? And we were Catholic girls. We wasn't rough, bad girls. We went to a Catholic school. <laughs> but we'd take our Catholic and whip the devil up one side and down the other. We was nice and all that, but, you know, we just go so far. (laughs) We had to. It was just we didn't have a brother. Huh? So we had to fight. We we laid it down now. Everybody got quiet now. It's just, no, 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 we're saved now. Huh? (laughs) Now y'all laughing. (laughs) Everybody was scared. Whoopsie. Huh? You know, our, you know, we went up there uh, and complained to our parents. They look at us. They could tell if it was real trouble or if it was something you could handle. Right. Not if it was real. But, you know, they didn't raise no punks. Right. You know, you ain't had no punk girls come rushing up here. You talking about daddy this and daddy that. You're going to have to fight your way out of worse things in life. You better get down there and take care of that little. Right. <laughs> Seriously. Huh? So God has given us a life of salvation and redemption and a new life, totally new life. Whenever we are fretful, it's, it's a sign of living the old life. And you pick that back up again. God had a vision of us before the earth was laid down. Look how long he's been waiting. I mean, if, he were, if you could, could imagine God being moved by time. But look how long it's been that man has been struggling to get back to God. And yet God still wants us, still has a plan for us, still sees us a glorious people, sees us a prosperous people, a people who are really conformed to the image of Christ and not put on. You understand what I'm saying? All the fake Christianity has been over with for for decades now. You know, the, the years when everybody was a Christian, huh? You know, you went to the hospital and they have the little form you fill out and it says, what is your religion? You say, uh, Christian. You say, Protestant or Catholic. You know, everybody was one or the other, whether they went to, to church and it didn't bug them that they weren't. But now people have to be the real thing. You understand what I'm saying? There's too much, there's too much hell in the, wor- the earth to identify with that we can get away with being what they call nominal Christians, just by name only. 
We have the Christian reality on us. That's why the devil fights us so hard. That's why he's always reminding you of something that God has not done for you yet. You understand what I'm saying? He wants to stir up trouble and he wants to keep trouble going for us. So God has, he had a plan for us before he planned the whole universe. And also he put us in the middle of what he created to rule and to reign on his behalf. He still has that plan. He's got that plan for the crackhead. He's got that plan for the fornicator. He's got that plan for everybody. You understand what it is? You don't get good enough to qualify for his plan for you. You qualify already. He is the good enough. You got me? He provides the good enough for us. Day to day, our plan in God unfolds. We are not saved to get anything from God except his divine nature. You got me? That's what we need. We don't need more things to be happy. We still paying for things and we ain't happy. Huh? We are saved to partake of his life, to share our lives with God and to allow him to be a father to us. God came to help us to overcome that orphan spirit that makes everybody feel unloved, unlovable, rejected, cast down. Jesus died to take that away from you. And if you're nursing it and still holding on to it, you need to let it go because that thing has been passed away. He paid for you not to feel fatherless anymore. And to know that you have a real father who really loves you, who can do real things for you, and has a real plan for your life that you will enjoy. God created us in a way to enjoy certain things. That's why he knows we enjoy them. And he knows to bring them into our life. He didn't create you to sit here and be miserable every day. You doing that to yourself. So we are saved to partake of his life and to share our lives with God and allow him to be a father to us. We are saved so that he could redeem us from the orphan mentality that tends to make us selfish, fearful, and lack courage and lack understanding of how to go forward. God does not want us to feel isolated anymore. That's why he left us the comforter, the Holy Spirit, to help us feel accepted. Huh? You know, the Bible says he left you the comforter, the helper. What do we need help with? To feel accepted by God and to feel loved by God and to know the love of God. Everything the enemy does is done to separate you from the reality of God's love. The more we listen to him, the more isolated and separated we are from the reality that God loves us. You know, we say, well, well, Jesus died on the cross for me. I know God loved me. Then you need to live like it every day, every day, every minute, every hour of every day. You need to live like that. We're saved to we become one with God again the way he intended when he created the man and the woman of the, in the garden, he created them to become one with him. One heart, one mind, one spirit, one life, 
living out the God life in harmony with God and with his creation. So with the new birth, with being born again, you become one with God again, but by the new birth this time. So where Adam and Eve did not have the new birth, their spirits were not born of the spirit of God. Now he's deposited his life on the inside of us, which is awesome. Because that life continues to grow minute by minute by minute by minute. If you feed yourself the word, it grows. If you don't feed yourself the word, it grows. (laughs) Did you know the Holy Spirit can talk to you on the inside of you and tell you things in the word you haven't even read yet? It's like... uh, uh, coming events coming soon Amen. to your spirit Amen. is this revelation and this knowledge huh that's why when somebody somebody speaks the word to you you it's like you heard that before there's a familiarity there's what we call a witness witnesses are is not just witness a check And it's not LeBron up there. Huh? We are witnesses of his greatness. You understand what I'm saying? It's a real life personhood of God. He's a real, he's testifying on the inside of you to what you hear is either true, not true, for you or not for you. He's there so you can't go wrong and can't say, maybe God didn't tell me he was going to do this for me. Your witness, he testifies. He says, listen, I was there when you asked God for it, and I remember God giving you peace about it. And will you shut up complaining about what you haven't got from God yet because it's on the way? Huh? If you shut up and keep believing. Yeah, the devil's funny. He'll see your behavior because he's seen it before. He knows the drill. He used to work for Jesus. Remember that runaway employee? Huh? Now he's on a permanent furlough. He thinks he's on a family leave. He ain't on no family. He's on permanent furlough. And he knows it. Well, he'll see you believing right, acting right, doing right. He sees the seeds you sow, and he knows what's coming. So what does he do? Derails you. Huh? He'll try to get you to dig up the seed by saying something negative about it. Oh, well, if that's a revelation, write it down, okay? What do you think if your oh your prayers are a seed but your complaints aren't? I remember back in the day we first heard that teaching. Everybody said, "Well, you know you can just claim a crop failure." I know you can't, because a seed ain't in your possession no more. Huh? <laughs> Remember the old covenant? They would stand up and read. We call heaven and earth to record this day. Heaven and earth records our words, folks. For the good and for the bad. Oh. Oh. 
Oh, yeah. See, it's all mercy. See, when you understand that, you know, this is all mercy, honey. It ain't. So don't even play yourself like that. You know, it ain't your being good and doing it. Like, you know, God, I gave that big seed. That was 15 years ago. You got scared when you gave it and you got scared to hear God tell you to give anything more. I'm moving on. You can go with me if you want to, but I'm moving on. Uh-huh. It's the truth. We do something extraordinary in obedience to God. We scared he's going to ask us to do it on a regular. What's that? What's that thing they do? They call it. Then who is that football player that? Cam. What's he do? The thing. Show it to me, little Howard. The dab. Oh, okay. Huh? I dab for y'all. I don't know what I'm supposed to do. I do everything but the blonde mohawk. But Nikki, when I call for that, you you get some blonde in yours, and when we need the blonde blonde mohawk, you can come on up. Huh? God wants us to be joined to him and separated from sin and Satan. That's the blessed life. It's joined to God. You don't care where he's going. You don't care what he expects you to do. You just know you're on the right bus now. You understand what I'm saying? Just stay on the bus. The devil is a lousy father. He's very abusive. That's why we came to God all beat up. Most of us had nothing that we gave up. You know what I'm saying? You gave up nothing. You just quit. And you was glad to find God because you was quitting. Huh? Abusers always abuse what they don't create. And that's what you need to know about the devil. You can't do nothing but abuse it. Now, you parents ought to witness to that. All the expensive toys you buy your kids, and you try to be careful from ages, whatever to whatever, and they still break it. Uh, They still tear it up and leave it over in the corner unused. Because they have no knowledge of the value of it. Only the creator has knowledge of the value. God's the only one who knows what we're worth and will treat us accordingly. He sees much more inside of us than we know about ourselves. That's why he's ever merciful to us. He's ever willing to forgive us. He's ever willing to keep helping us and giving us extra chances. Yeah, I used to wonder about stuff sometimes. I, there, there were ministers, great ministers, and, you know, preachers, Look at what they relate to. So that's what I relate to. I'm sure there are other examples from other walks of life. But I think about this. I say, well, God, so-and-so served you, and now they're backslidden. You know, they're out in the world and doing this and doing that. And I said, yet you invested all that in them. See, God doesn't look at it. He knows the end at the beginning. He saw that man fall away before he ever did anything good. But God still gave him the best 
that he could believe for. You can't tell me God's mercy isn't greater than anything bad we can think about him. You can't tell me even when he knows you're going to turn on him and he knows you're going to renounce him and you're going to sell him out for some cheap whatever. He provides the best for you. And I told God, I said, why? He said, I only give the best. He said, I don't have something second rate to give to any of my children. He said, you'll, because you'll never be able to tell me I backslid because God didn't give me what he gave so-and-so. And for that reason, you can never say you deserve anything second rate. If your mind can comprehend it. You understand me? Well, but look at what I did. But you're still going to get the best. Huh? But, but look, at, look at what I always, I always mess up my bills. And, yeah, and you're still going to get a promotion. You're still going to get a good job. You're still going to get everything. Huh? So we are joined to God and separated from sin and Satan. Joining us to himself allows God to train us in his ways. That's rule. first thing he wants to do is not only save us, but disciple us and train us in his ways. He set up a system for that. The church is his system. Whether we like it, don't like it, have had good or bad experiences with it, that is his system for training his people. See, God has such confidence in himself that he allows flawed individuals to work for him. And that includes everybody. Amen. So, so if you think the church is all wrong, get in there and start living for God and show us how to do it right. That's the way I say, you know, it's, hey, if we wrong, you show us then. And get in there and start doing what God tells you to do and show us how to do it right. He's looking for good examples. God trains us in his ways. His focus is always on us so we don't have to focus on us. See, you can relax and rest your little nerves somewhere and quit worrying and wondering about where this is going to come from, how this is going to come, everything. You can stop it because he cares for you. He said, cast your cares on. Why? He wants us to live a carefree life. He wants us to have a good life. So that's why he takes, he never intended for us to go through life burdened, it worried, not having enough and lacking. He never intended any of that for us. And when he comes into your life, he will correct all of the stuff that's wrong, if you let him. Huh? We so busy turning his pockets inside out, we can't even let him teach us that that ain't right, that ain't good manners, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> Know how you, when your kid's little, you got an old purse, you let them go through it and ravel through it. Good exercise. Get that out of their system so they can learn some manners, how to, treat, how to treat God's inheritance. So his focus is always on us. Always. Bible says we're the apple of his eye, the pupil of his eye, the center of his eye, all the time. And just as our focus <clears throat> is obtaining what we need and desire, his focus is always on us. 
And he's concerned more about the spiritual part of us that is like him, while we often focus on the natural or the material. Huh? We do. We, you know, you, it's kind of hard. You can't wake up a day without thinking, what's ahead for me? How am I going to feel? How am I going to do this? How am I going to do that? How am I going to, how, how, how? That's our, our main question. When it shouldn't be how, it should be who. Who's going to provide it for me? Huh? You, you don't even know that yet. I'm going to say that again. Because, see, many times we assume we're the ones responsible for taking care of our needs. And we'll sit up here, we'll agree with the preacher, oh, God will supply all of my needs. Well, let him supply it. Why are you worried about how you're going to do it? Huh? See, you caught yourself lying to yourself again. Huh? No, it should be who? God, I thank you. You're my supplier. You're my source. I don't care if the world's words seem to bounce off the wall back at you. Because there's so much unbelieving devils in your bedroom. Get them out of there. Amen. <laughs> I'm serious. Huh? It's true. What you surround yourself with. You know, surround yourself with faith and encouragement in God. God takes care of this whole household. He takes care of everybody here. Nobody's left out of the blessings of God. When God blesses your household, he blesses your household. You got me? It's for everybody. Our dog is blessed. She can't wait for the blessing. She'll yank it from you. But, you know, we're working on that. And this is we're working on. I tell you. I might do the same thing if I, you know what I'm saying? Turn to Luke 12 so we'll, we'll understand what's important to God. Yo, Biggie, he got it, okay? Wouldn't have promised it to you and got involved in your life like that if he didn't know he was going to give it to you. If you frisk yourself, you'll find evidence of it on you even now. Huh? Quit frisking God and start frisking yourself. Huh? You want something from God? See if it's not around in some form. Huh? The faith is there. The word is there. What more do you need? Well, I'm waiting. You ain't waiting on nothing. Now, listen, your faith has got to be your manifestation. If that ain't good enough, we just serving the wrong God. My goodness. The devil is not going to do nothing for you faster than God will. Oh, you, now you might get some stuff in your hands quick. I see your little credit card people checking on the balance, see how much you got left. Oh, let me see what I can charge or how much, how much credit I got left on my card. No. You think you can get it faster than God can give it to you, but you can't. Now, you may have it, but you don't possess it. The evidence of that is the bill that ain't paid every month. I don't care if you got a rotating balance, revolving balance, decreasing invisible balance, diminishing balance. It's still a balance, right? So you ain't got nothing. I'm going to come over here and talk for 
You know what? If it's not the season, it's not the season, folks. When you pray and you ask God for things, they have to grow in the realm of the spirit. There is a due season when that thing is mature enough to enjoy. The bill really kind of takes the joy, if you ask me. I mean, I don't know what you, you know what I'm saying. I mean, even if you can pay them off at the end of the month, they bug you for 30 days. Not sure. Why? Because you've got God inside of you. And he's responding to what you see in the natural as a blessing and getting all excited about it. And he said, you could do better if you trust me for it. Just a thought. Just a thought. And listen, you talking to the queen of the credit cards. I had all the numbers memorized. I slip up and go shopping with my husband. And they say, well, do you know your, your account number? We can't find it. I say, oh, yeah. It's better than he'd look at me. How'd you know that? I said, are you kidding me? You're dealing with a professional here. You didn't marry no rookie. now he'd be sweating it at the end of the month and i'm just enjoying my stuff what is what's the oh that's i get it huh yeah whatever yep (laughs) girls you have to realize i was a young christian with limited spiritual resources my story and I'm sticking to it. <laughs> Whee! All right. God has to perform these things in us. He sees greatness. The greatness is not there totally yet. We get glimpses of it. You pray a decent prayer here. You you experience some little things here, divine appointment here. That You don't live in the fullness of the greatness of God yet. It would be wonderful if we could. And we all beg to live there 24-7. But I don't know why we, we don't, but the human soul can't handle a lot of that stuff, you know. You get in shock just when a prayer is answered, you know. <laughs> like the Pentecostals, you say, asking faith, receiving shock. Huh? Because the realm that you're in when you're praying is a greater realm of glory than the receiving realm is many times. And you look at it and you say, is this it? Oh, okay. Okay. You're scared of it. That's why we don't get a whole lot real fast from God, or we shouldn't. Because your soul, your human soul has to respond and react and adjust to. Hmm? Remember my story about the Kent family that ate up all the food on the weekend when it was bought and starved the rest? It's, their souls couldn't adjust to payday. And some of us are the same way. Many of us. That's why we look forward to it. Hold your breath until, you know. For sure. Because we're trained that way. Lack trains you. To think lack, believe lack. Let lack control you instead of letting, letting abundance control your thinking. When abundance controls your thinking, 
Lack doesn't have a chance to make you feel starved for anything. Because you're not starving for anything. If you have abundance on the inside of you and you have a wealth of the knowledge of God, it matters less what you possess in the natural. How do you think people can have house churches over in in Vietnam and, and get beaten and all that kind of stuff and come out and joyfully continue to preach the gospel? Their life doesn't consist in the possession of things and the abundance of things they possess. They know that at any time, almost, you could, it could be snatched away from you. You lose everything. Come on now. I'm, I'm believing God just like you do for everything intact, nothing missing, nothing broken. But there are some days when I don't feel like that. And I'm not ashamed to admit it. It's just the truth of the way life is. But God trains us to live out of the wealth that is him. Out of him being our wealth. Out of him being everything. You want to keep up with the Joneses? He Mr. Jones. You understand? You keep up with him. So he's training us in his ways. His focus is us. Just as our focus is obtaining what we need and desire. He doesn't mind you asking. He says it is his good pleasure to give us the kingdom. Where were we in Luke chapter 12? All right. And start in verse 30 maybe. Well, you know, this is consider the lilies of the field. You know, you can't read this too many times. Because as many times as you read it, your brain will go off and think about something else. To think lack. He says, consider the lilies of the field. Why? Well, the Bible tells you they don't toil or spin. But look at how many of them there are and they spring out of nowhere. So he says, think abundance. Eh. He did say consider one, one rose in a vase on your cocktail table. He said, consider abundance. The lilies of picture a field full of flowers. They sprung up by God's command. They did not plant themselves. They were planted by God to grow in due season. If you let your your yard go, so to speak, you know, we like to put killers on everything. But if you let your yard just produce on its own, it will produce something. You may not like it, and it may not be what you desire in there you plant, but something comes up. And God says, your life is like that. Something's coming up in your life every single day. It may not be what you think is, is what you ask for and what you wait for and what's going to make you happy. But something's growing in you all the time. All the time. When God said, be fruitful, multiply, replenish the earth and subdue it, he gave us the ability to be fruitful, multiply, and increase. Now that he lives in us, that fruitfulness, multiply, and increase comes up at God's command now, not just when we want it to happen. You're not in control of anything, never have been, never will be. But God is in total control, and he wants us to always be on the increase. So he said, instead of worrying, thinking about what you're going to eat, drink, or wear, consider the lilies of the field. And he tells you, your life is about more than what you wear, You couldn't prove that by most Christians. 
you know, we've had so much quote-unquote faith teaching, we still don't know how to believe for the supernatural realm to come into our lives in the fashion that God wants us to come. Why? We've been telling ourselves that God's examples reflect on material things. Yeah, we had that lesson. We had that lesson for 30 or 40 years now. Can we go on to something else? We got that. Okay, we got that. We know God will take care of us. But why did he really give us the power to go into the realm of the spirit and bring his presence down? And what's behind that? We want to know what that's about. Because we got the faith for things. We got enough things. We got so many things. We got bills on things. You understand? We got that. What we need to know is what is it going to do? What are things going to do for us in our inner man? In that place where I keep stumbling over this same thing over and over. What's, what's that faith for things going to do for me on the inside of me? And can I get that fixed, please? Oh, yeah, if you go to the altar and, and admit you need something, yeah, it better be something material or you don't get a prophecy. Just saying. God, I'm up here at the altar. Don't you see this big devil that wrestles me all the time and tells me I'm a nothing and a nobody? I came up here to get fixed. And you're telling me about a job. I've got a job. I just don't know if I want to keep it. If I don't get some relief from my mind, I don't know if I want to get up and go to that job tomorrow. Now, if the devil's deceived you into thinking the things are still your problem, well, I got news for you. Never have been, never will be. Jesus said it right here. He said, if you think about how them lilies spring up, you realize you don't have to worry about nothing to eat, drink, or wear. The lilies dress better than we do on a good day. On our best day, you don't look good as a flower. Jesus said, don't think about it because it's your father's good pleasure to give you better than things, bigger than things, more than things. If you're worried about a dress and he says he wants to give you the kingdom and you're still worried about a dress, you didn't hear him right. If you're worried about how much money you make and he says he's giving you the kingdom, you didn't hear him right. You need to take that home, that passage of scripture home, curl up in your bed, and lay up with that scripture until it conceives some faith in you that God's really telling you that. That'll knock the worry about things clean out of you. Because then your big question is, he's giving me a kingdom? You mean he wants me to have more? Yeah, he wants you to have command over things. When he gives you the kingdom, that's rulership, reigning, and authority to command things into your life. In other words, God's saying, listen, don't keep bugging me about your stuff. Take a hold of me and speak your stuff yourself. Prophesy what you want to see happen yourself. Let yourself begin to understand that I've given you command over that with your life. That's for all believers. 
every single one of them. Della Reese tells a testimony that she's off in some new age stuff, but a lot of these people grew up Christians and never valued what they had in God. But she said her mother was married to a man that didn't take care of uh, her children, and and she said my mother would would wake up in the morning and she would start singing, talking to God, and pray. She said, and before the day was over, groceries would show up on our doorstep. And she said this. She said I was scared of her. You know why? Because the Holy Ghost was in there with that lady when she was praying. She said, and I thought she was a witch. I was so scared of her. Power of God will make you scared in a good way. Huh? Because it's holy. It let her know not everybody could do that and not everybody could grab on to that. But it is for the people of God. It's for us. We can do the same thing. Huh? Instead of grabbing some some doctrine and some... Uh, I believe I receive when I pray, and, and I know I have it. Yes, cut it out, okay? Let's just stop it. Get off that train and start understanding who lives on the inside of you. Start talking to him who is internal and eternal. And can say, stop being scared of what's on the inside of you. Because God dwells, you know, we're scared to talk to him. We're scared to tell him the truth, and he knows it anyway. He's the one who's prompting us to confess it. Huh? Get it out the way. Get it out of there. Quit hiding and try to hide it in here. Well, make some room for me. Get your little dark stuff out of here with me. I want to rule and reign on the inside of you. Jesus said, don't take any thought. He said, consider the lilies. I clothed them. I fed them. I take care of them. And I live inside of you. So don't sit up here and worry about things. But start enjoying me. Let me show you. Huh? Let me show you what your, your your let me show you what your real potential is. And when I show it to you, don't go running off telling everybody. Huh? Let's let this be something between me and you. Huh? Let this be something that we enjoy. This is not something you can show to everybody. Everybody ain't interested. It ain't for everybody. It's for me and for you. Huh? And let God begin to develop in you what He sees in you as greatness huh we always think greatness is money numbers or much 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 and much of something look at all the preachers that are multi-millionaires that backslide huh why they've found a way to gain things and bypass god but you know what everybody got to meet him one day see when they met him they didn't recognize him and ran from him and ran right into the devil's trap that's not you and that's not me. You got me? We're going to be who God called us to be. We're going to love living for him. We're going to stop the dumb and quit the nonsense and just go on to perfection. I don't care who don't like it, who thinks you ought to be doing something else with your life and how loud they say it. You do what God tells you to do. Amen. And you'll have a blessed life. Why don't we stop? Father, we thank you for allowing us to see you. You have revealed to us, amen, you have revealed to us your glory. You have revealed it to us. We need to pray for somebody. It's a little baby that Maria's had us praying, Aubrey Hope Perez. I think they, what if they turn the life support off this baby? God's her life support. Always has been, always will be, amen. Now, Father, we lift this baby up to you. Father, the parents want this baby to live. They, they Jesus is just you, Peter and Paul, and the parents in the waiting room. 
Jesus, you're in the waiting room with this family. Thank you, Lord, for healing and saving that baby. And we bless you and we thank you for it, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. Praise God. If anybody needs prayer, come on up. Praise God. The people on the Internet will do an impartation at the end of our prayer here. If somebody needs, needs God to pray for you. Praise the Lord. Amen. oil on my hands. I'll have my little towel. Thanks. Thank you. There you go. <laughs> Thank you. Okay. Thanks, sweetie. I appreciate it. Thank you, Lord. What you want me to do? You want me to pray for the pain or you want to take that off a little bit or how you want to do it, honey? I like them boots. Yeah, it does give you pain sometimes. Okay. Thank you, sir. We'll let Uncle Tom get you here. All right, so sit down, sweetie. Thank you, Lord. And Lord, I just thank you. Heal Bianca totally. Pain, I command you to go and never come back again. You're not welcome here and you don't belong here. Thank you, Lord. We plead the blood of Jesus over her foot, over her body, over her life. Thank you for healing, baby, Lord. In Jesus' name, thank you, Lord. Wiggle it around a little bit. You good? All right. Let's sit there for a little bit. What you need, Mister? Well, it's both a liar. Yeah, he's here. There you go. Thank you, Jesus. Praise God. Amen. <laughs> You want a chair, sweetie? Mm-hmm. What is up, Miss Tony? 